0: What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone, and we're doing something totally different today than what we normally do for our show. Since nothing's happening in the world of Atlanta sports, the exception of the Falcons' new mostly shitty uniforms. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, the history of hockey in Atlanta, from the Flames to the Knights to the Thrashers, and really doing sort of a deep dive, retrospective autopsy of of why hockey no longer exists in Atlanta. And professionally, we know we have the Atlanta formerly Gwinnett Gladiators as a minor league team, but we have no NHL team anymore, and so what we're going to do today is just break all that down, get into the nitty-gritty of it, and sort of just do a long-form conversation. Maybe you would call it a podcast of, of this very subject. So Adam, how's it going, sir?
1: Graham, it's going, going very well. I'm glad to see that you mixed up the intro for our usual podcast, because like you said, This is something different. This is the Atlanta Zone reboot, uh, a new era in Atlanta Zone where I did research, believe it or not, Graham. I'm not just coming into this. Yeah, I'm not coming into this, just winging it, just going on your coattails, whatever you say and agreeing and sometimes just disagreeing for the hell of it.
0: Um, I think it's kind of similar to a lot of these movie franchises that reboot and diversify the cast. We're rebooting and diversifying your, your research.
1: Yeah, it could be a great thing for us in the long run. Uh, The general idea was to just pick a larger topic in Atlanta sports history, and then we both research on our own. So Graham and I haven't discussed any of this together yet, and uh, we're just going to see what we both found and come together and discuss it. And this Thrasher's plays, I think it's a great place to start. Uh, I know there are a lot of hockey fans out there. And, uh, but it's more than just a hockey story. It's, it's, uh, it's just classic, true-to-Atlanta shit with uh, the reason we don't have this team.
0: And yeah, because there's a lot of connections that um, the Thrashers have to the rest of the city of Atlanta in terms of ownership groups from Time Warner, who at the, the time owned the Braves, uh, Hawks, and Thrashers at one juncture in the early 2000s. And uh, so, and then to the Atlanta Spirit Group, which bought the Thrashers and, and the Hawks. So this is all interlaced. I mean, the only people that weren't really affected by any of this was the was the Falcons.
1: Right. So we'll we'll get we'll get going here. Uh, just before we get started, I wanted to say that if you do have topics, we're open to it. Another thing we're thinking of doing next is uh, diving into the history of the Olympics coming to Atlanta. I think that's another one of these long convoluted stories. Um, And a lot of heroes of that story, a lot of villains. So we'll dive into that. Uh, Good, good users, longtime users, uh, Teddy Bowling, Sam Crochet and Hugo are already before they even knew we were doing this deep dive. They've already started compiling a spreadsheet of what is now up to over like 120 of the just worst moments in Atlanta history, Atlanta sports history, or just like classic true to Atlanta moments. So we'll be able to dive into a lot of that, uh, probably with some help, but, um, yeah, I think let's get going with this thrasher stuff, Graham, see where it takes us.
0: Cool. So we can start, uh, in the beginning, Adam, with the Atlanta flames who came here in 1972 and played until 1980 at the old Omni.
1: Yeah, it was, it was definitely before our time, but it was Atlanta's first for, for a into professional hockey. Um, they had some momentum on their side. Uh, they had a hall of fame coach. Can't remember his name, but, uh, he was like a championship player with the Bruins. Uh, when they started in '72, that was back in the days where they didn't have helmets. They had some pretty badass uniforms. I do know that oh, yeah, much about Fletcher.
0: Them. You, what's that? This uh, Cliff Fletcher.
1: W- was I right about the Blues, uh,
0: or did I just completely make that up? Uh, it was the Blues, actually. was yeah, the general enough. manager.
1: Yeah, close enough. Who's going to fact check that one? Um, but I think they had one playoff win. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, there, Graham.
0: Let's see, they, uh, they actually went to the playoffs in, uh, in 73 and got to the quarterfinals and then were swept by the Flyers. Then they went to something called the preliminary round for the last five years actually of existence, 75 through 80. So they got into the playoffs six times, but went two and 15 overall in the, in the postseason. So,
1: yeah, and I, I do know pretty, what pretty ha- true to Atlanta. Yeah, I, I do know what happened with them was um, attendance went down pretty significantly for them um and operating costs at the omni went way up so it was just kind of a straight financial deal that they had to get out so they moved i know they moved to canada um calgary and was it calgary yeah, yeah it became the calgary flames and that was the end of our first uh little intro to hockey in atlanta 72 to 80 that one lasted
0: Right, and in the meantime, we got a minor league team called the uh, the Atlanta Knights in the early 90s. I actually went to a bunch of those games, and I didn't know any better and thought they were in the NHL. Um, but that was at the Omni, and it was a really fun atmosphere. You had everybody, the National Anthem, uh, when the, the word knight... Was it knight in the National Anthem, Adam? <laughs> yeah, Shows our uh, shows how uh, great patriots we are.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's in it's
1: in there because I know that uh, it's it's like that? one
0: of those things where you hear this if you hear the song you know the words but when you're just trying to think of it it's 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 hard to think of you know you know what I'm saying.
1: I'm looking up the like, Star Spangled Banner lyrics as we speak, Graham. Oh Jesus. Um, but yeah, there was we were I remember watching something recently or there was like a podcast on it talking about how this Atlanta uh knights team, all the fans would scream night during it. That's what it was. Yes. Whenever yeah. the,
0: the, the word night came with the national anthem, we would all scream night, which was pretty cool. Uh gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. So once night. it was gave proof through the no! Yeah, 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 and then and I feel like would did the
1: United do that as well? Is that what I'm thinking of?
0: Yes, United does that. I think that's an uh, homage, paying homage to the to the Knights, as far as I can tell. Yeah, I, which I, is I a was, deep cut for for you know. We always say that uh, United is a, a lot of transplants, but you get you got to know your Atlanta sports history if you know that shit.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, I was the same as you. I re- I remember them growing up and just yeah assumed it's a professional i mean they were a professional hockey team but uh you know i just assumed it was the nhl i think i remember one time looking at the nhl standings in the paper and not seeing the knights listed and it was just beyond confused
0: <laughs> it's like where the hell what's going on and it was weird too because i didn't even really remember the knights leaving it was just one day or one year we just didn't go to any knights games and i was like I don't even know if I was told, or if I was, I blocked it out of my memory. It probably traumatized me as the, the sensitive bitch I am about Atlanta sports. I'd imagine I just it was one, to the, block it one out of my those memory. classic things. You, you know how, like,
1: dads growing up would just lie to you? Like, just make things up, and you just assume it was true? Like, my dad once told me there was a um, a toggle on his Ford Probe. I think it was like a 93 Ford Probe or something like that. And he told me if I touched... That toggle, that it would change the red lights from red to green, oh, and Jesus. I believed it, but I didn't realize he's just watching the other light and knows when it's about to switch. So it's I probably, a smart guy, your father. I probably believed that for a couple of years, so I could definitely see him just telling me that the uh, the Knights were in the NHL.
0: And that that happened a couple of days ago, right?
2: <laughs> no, 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 no.
0: No, because we're
1: in quarantine, Graham.
0: That was a that was a uh, <laughs> that was a trick question, and you passed. Yep. So the Knights leave Atlanta has granted a team in '97, an NHL team in '97, and officially launched in '99. And I think I believe Phillips Arena was erected that year, if I'm not mistaken, or the year before. I'm Sure, that was a and huge part of
1: getting the team in the first place.
0: Yeah, and so the Hawks and the Thrashers were under the same banner in terms of the venue and in terms of the ownership, which was Time Warner at the time, who also owned the Braves in the late 90s as well. So I believe Ted Turner sold them in either after '96 or the 96 season or in 97, so all three teams were owned by Time Warner. And this wasn't unprecedented either because the, you know, there was a time when Ted Turner also owned the Hawks, so we've had... Multiple. There have been multiple times when we've had owners, either a conglomerate or a individual, owning multiple teams. Now we also have Arthur Blank, who owns obviously United and and the Falcons.
1: Yeah, and, and not to jump into this too quickly with the ownership, um, I kind of want to come back to that. But yeah, I mean, Time Warner owning them was a good thing at the time. Um. But where things went hairy early on for this franchise was the merger between AOL and Time Warner. Um, you know, you, you're thinking this is this is early 2000s. AOL is everything.
0: It's the uh, biggest thing in the world.
1: Yeah, instant I messaging. Instant messaging. Yeah,
0: I think they were the first email. You got mail. Uh, There's literally a movie called You Got Mail that was made in the mid to late 90s that was, you know, using that phrase as a major motion picture. Yeah. They're huge. So it
1: seemed like a no brainer for time Warner turned out to be a disaster. And, uh, one of the biggest mistakes in their company history. And so two or three years, I think two, 2001, I believe, um, time Warner had to sell the thrashers and the Hawks. And, uh, That's where the Atlanta spirit come into play. But I think we can dive into that a little later. Um, Wanted to start here with some of the... I mean, there's just so many true to Atlanta facts that I came upon here. Like, the first overall pick for the franchise was Patrick Stefan, who... He's an overseas guy. I'd, I'd be lying if I said I remember exactly where he came from. But he was supposed to be a huge scorer, and there was just a ton of hype around him. And he ended up playing in the NHL for like 15 years. So you would think that's pretty solid, but he never once scored more than 10 goals. So it, it just that's a terrible starting block, and Graham could go over some of the records that they had out of the, uh, the gates. But you know, just flopping with your first overall pick for a startup franchise, is, uh, it sets a tone.
0: And it wasn't just the first overall pick, Adam. We had eleven draft picks that year, and they were all out of the league by two thousand eleven. <laughs> so, you know, the 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 timeline of a of a hockey player is actually pretty long. I mean, some guys played twenty over twenty years. Um, you know, it's a bit longer of a shelf life for for hockey players than maybe any other sport, major sport in in America at least. And uh, so, just wrap your mind around that. I mean, that's kind of like you know that really shitty Thomas Dimitrov draft, and I can't remember what year that was, I think 2014, when all the players were out of the league in three years or whatever it was. Um, I guess maybe maybe
1: that's the equivalent in hockey for that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you, you know, you... (laughs) It was just really... And and it showed uh, on the ice uh, in the first year they only had 14 wins with a total of 38 points, which is just damn near unfathomable for hockey. I mean, that, that... from what I have been told, that is just total trash. Um, Like one of the worst single seasons by any franchise ever in NHL history. Yeah,
1: and the fans were there that year. Um, I mean, I watched the video from like the opening Thrashers game and the place was rocking, but then I think it it took them a couple months to actually win a game at home, uh, which ironically turned out to be against the Calgary Flames, of course. Um, True to Atlanta. Yeah, but yeah, I mean it's it's tough to stick with a team that is just terrible out of the gates.
0: Yeah, they they averaged seventeen thousand two hundred six fans, um, which was good enough for eleventh in the league in their inaugural season. So, there, yeah, Adam is exactly right. There was a fervor, there was legitimate interest in in hockey in Atlanta, which sounds. Crazy to think about now. But when we, you know, especially if you think of back back to the late 90s, you know, you're coming off the Falcons' first Super Bowl appearance. You're in the, the heart of the, the Braves' run where they won, you know, five NL pennants in a World Series or win the division every year. So there was a lot of, I think people wanted to have another team because it was like, all right, we're winning a lot. We're not winning, you know, the big one, at least at this point. Current point in time, but we're we're on the brink of it. So it'd be awesome to have another team here to try and get a championship. Because at, at that point, you know, everybody was a lot of a lot of folks were all in on on Braves and and Falcons. And I know the Hawks weren't doing that well, but you know, two out of your three teams before the Thrashers were coming in were coming off going to the World Series and the Super Bowl. So there was you know, the city was lit, and the Braves had already established. Themselves as a, a dominant force in baseball during that entire decade, so th- there was definitely an audience for, for professional sports at the time in Atlanta, and it just goes to show that winning breeds interest and new things. Um, you know, especially if marketed correctly, will always attract folks to uh, to a venue.
1: Yeah, and it's it's the same idea for every Atlanta team that gets shit about not having fans showing up and like with this thrasher's team in particular, the fans were blamed a lot, but I'm sitting here looking at some of these teams throughout the years that had, um, lower attendance, like just take for uh, 2006, 2007, Florida, Nashville, Phoenix, Boston, New Jersey, Chicago. These are teams that would go on to win Stanley cups later on. Um, so, and, and also, yeah, I mean, that just shows even in a city like Boston, if you're not winning, the fans aren't going to show up.
0: Um, yeah, and we have, you know, we have reports from our, <clears throat> our intern, Jared, who's, uh, who grew up in the New England area, who said, you know, he's always been diehard Patriots. But before they started going on their unprecedented run in the 2000s, you know, the Patriots games were poorly attended and no one really gave a shit because they never really won before. So this is not something so I, I I do tire of the stigma of Atlanta being shit on when we've won one championship <clears throat> in fucking what is it, fifty-five years at this point of having professional teams here. Um it's just like every city will have your die has your diehard fans, for sure. But the vast majority of, of cities, if you don't win, people aren't gonna show up. I mean it's just it's it's simple and it's been proven No matter where you are, that's what's going to happen. Um, With the exception of maybe the Cleveland Browns. I mean, they always, they show up, their fans are always there every, every damn week, but it's few and far between. Those are the anomaly types. Nine times out of 10, if you're not winning, people aren't going to, people aren't going to be there.
1: It it was funny looking back at articles from like 2008, 2009, You'd see the same stuff over and over again. It's the same arguments, the same articles being written that are being written now about Atlanta sports. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a stigma that we're not going to shake for a while, but even back then they were talking about like, when we have winning teams, it's an amazing atmosphere. The thrashers made the playoffs one time. It was rocking. Anytime the Georgia dome was packed up, it was a place you did not want to play. Um, you know, now we, now we got Mercedes Benz. That's a different story, but, um,
0: Yeah. But I would say you know like, you know, Fulton County Stadium in the '90s, there was nothing more intimidating than than that Turner Field too. In the '90s, in the early 2000s, I mean, it was it was a great atmosphere, and that's not sugarcoating it. I mean, you go back and look at the attendance numbers, Fulton County and Turner Field. I mean, Braves were top five, top ten in attendance every every season. Then start tapering off until we couldn't get out of the division <laughs> uh, division series, and then when we went on that stretch, we wouldn't make the postseason. It's like, it makes sense that that would happen. I mean, it sucks, but, you know, we are, you know, majority of people are, are a show me, prove it to me thing. Like if I'm going to spend my money on something, you got to have some, some success. Exactly.
1: So. Um, getting back to the thrashers early history here. Yeah. Um, they had a little momentum going, um, Great thing about that terrible 99 season was they had the second overall pick in 2000, and they used that to draft Danny Heatley, um, who was a big name in hockey for his entire career, but, uh, you know, a young stud. And then you back it up in 2001 with the first overall pick and draft Ilya Kovalchuk. So they had two electric scorers on the same team, two young guys, um building momentum with fans. I think attendance those years was on the up. Um, And then, of course, true to Atlanta, I think the next big um, landmark in this story is 2003. So they still haven't made the playoffs up to this point, but they've got a lot of excitement going. And then 2003, Danny Heatley gets in a one-car accident, and his Ferrari, and he has a fellow teammate Dan Snyder in the car with him. And Dan Snyder died five days after the accident due to infections related to the crash. And um, yeah, I mean it's it's a it was a tragic story. I, I do, I don't know about you, Graham, but I, I remember that vividly. Even though I mean we were what two thousand three, we were thirteen, something like that, right? Um, but I remember that vividly. I remember the team playing the entire year with uh, Dan Snyder's number on their on their jerseys. Um, but it was just such, such a tragedy, and um, you know the, the team really had a hard time coming back from that. And uh, Danny Heatley was injured because of the crash, and he, he did come back to play at some point that season for a short time. But then uh, he, he requested a trade in uh 2005. He just needed to get. He couldn't handle still being in the same city.
0: I think that makes sense. Um, Having to deal with something like that, especially being around the teammates and you have to feel, you know, obviously there was no intention of him crashing his car. The responsibility he felt must've been enormous. Can't even imagine it.
2: Um, Well, he was convicted for vehicular
1: homicide. So
0: yeah, yeah, sure. He was driving irresponsibly, but it's not like he was out to to hurt Snyder. Yeah, yeah. But so because of his reckless driving, I mean, the guilt had to just pile upon him until it reached a boiling point. Yeah. And then you have to rehab, and that's a pain in the ass. As anyone who's undergone a physical injury or multiple physical injuries and has to rehabilitate yourself, I mean that's like learning to walk again kind of kind of deal. Even yeah, when I, it isn't. Um, I,
1: I saw when he came back, they won the first game when he returned and then went on a month and a half losing streak.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was uh 216 and 3. So and even Ilya Kovalchuk had an amazing year that that year he uh was tied for first in the league with 41 goals and I mean really I mean there's a lot of a lot of excitement around that team for sure even though it was it was marred in the wake of of, of tragedy cuz you know Atlanta Spirit buys the team in 2003 too. That's actually when they bought him. So, it was combined with, you know, new ownership group and a team supposedly on the rise. That was just completely negated uh once Heatley got uh was injured. And I think and and of course Snyder's passing, but I think that, you know, they started off actually pretty well in that uh and that season started. And it's sort of like they were just sort of hanging around, you know. It wasn't like they were trash; they were sort of mediocre. But you know, they were they started hot and sort of cooling off. And then, as we mentioned, the the horrible losing streak that happened late December to early February uh, really killed the season in two thousand
1: three. So then, skipping ahead to two thousand five, that's when Heatley was traded. But you bring in another stud. You bring in Marion Hosa, who was one of the best hockey players in the world at the time and for many years afterwards. And, um, that year they end up missing the playoffs by just two points. So going into the 2006, 2007 season, they have a ton of momentum, um, a lot of excitement again around them and they, they do end up making the playoffs as the number number three seed in the Southeast. And they have home ice advantage throughout the first round of the playoffs against the New York Rangers and uh, Graham, what 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 do you think happens when an Atlanta sports team has a higher seed, uh, home field, home court, home ice, home pool, home, home anything? House. What happens, yeah. Graham?
0: Uh, usually lose in embarrassing fashion or heartbreaking fashion. This was more the uh, latter form of embarrassment. Swept four four to nothing.
1: Yep, swept four straight games. I, I remember sitting in my basement, senior year of high school watching um it was probably the first game I watched, was pretty excited about. Um uh, I was like, Oh yeah, Atlanta sports playoffs. This is great. I'm a hockey guy now. We got we got Kovalchuk, we got Hosa, we got Kari Lettingham and in, in damn uh in the damn net man. We're gonna be great. Watching on Sports South and then, uh,
0: oh yeah,
1: yeah, just swept. It I have vague memories fashion.
0: of watching of watching the, that series and just being like, man, woof! Like it was just that was also during my time of where I wasn't as into the Braves, just because I that, that 2005 uh, playoff loss, the 18 inning game just destroyed me. So I was still really into the Falcons, but. I just knew, I just knew I was like, man, this is, this is Atlanta. And we have this new stigma at the time. <laughs> not even a new stigma. It was just like, it, it, the stigma became like, we can't even win in the playoffs anymore. Like no one. And so it was just, I just felt like it was going to happen. And of course it did. And I'm not happy about it. It's just, I just tried not to get my hopes up, but I, I, I kind of did for a second, like every year with every fucking team, only for them to be completely destroyed but that was also I was also prepared for it more than I ever was before because of the Braves continuing to just lose horribly in the uh first round of the playoffs. At least it was a slaughter and it wasn't like you know Hosa missed a, uh an open net shot or something that could have won the series and he just whiffed it and fell on his face. You know, at least at least it was over fast and it was a complete like you know it was like the ten nothing First inning with the Cardinals. It was it was over before it started. I still
1: don't think I agree with that. At least it was over fast. Thing. I think I would like. Uh, I'd like to see a little fight.
0: Oh, you like to see it? It's just like it doesn't hurt as much. It's a, it's like a dull pain rather than a sharp pain. That's true. The dull pain is being bled out, you know, slowly, but quickly at the same time. It's a weird, uh, it's a weird hybrid there, because you just know why you're watching it, like it's over. But it all happened so fast too. It's it's such a bizarre feeling, in those in those times. But yeah, that was the so, one really great year that yep. the that the Thrashers had.
1: Only um, yeah, the that's the only playoff season that those birds see. Um, the next season, they start zero and six, end up firing coach Bob Hartley at the time and replacing him with. Uh, then GM Dom Don Waddell. Do um, you have anything to add in these this era of Atlanta Thrashers hockey, Graham? I was kind of going to just bring it to a close. <laughs> uh,
0: not much in, in the sense of the actual play on the on the ice. It just it's interesting that um, Don Waddell, who I know nothing about, was the general manager throughout the entirety of of the franchise, with the exception of when he became team president. And the 2009 2010 uh, team or season, and he also served as interim uh, coach, whatever they call it in hockey, for a little bit too in one of the years. Coach is correct. <laughs> it's yes, coach. Uh, it seemed like outside of the just appalling draft in the first year, he it seemed like he surrounded the team with a lot of great players. So is so I I don't know if it was one of those things where. You know, we couldn't we just. It was coaching, or 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 what, but it seemed like for the most part he held up his end, as I, as ignorant as I am to it. But just just looking through the teams and the rosters, I mean, Hosa and Kovalchuk on the same team, I and mean, that's that's deadly. It should be at least.
1: The problem is they never had, a good to great goalkeeper. Um, True. Like Kari Lenning, he was he was the guy, the the young guy that everyone thought was going to be saving grace, and he was just never as elite as he was supposed to be. So I think uh, goalkeeping and just general defense was uh, the downfall of the Thrashers. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, they had some studs. I, I hated watching. So Kovalchuk, he ends up turning down a couple offers in 09, 010, and uh, that was the last year of his contract. We traded him to the Devils so we didn't lose everything we um, we'll get nothing back for him. And it's just like, I remember yeah. watching Kovalchuk and Hosa and Heatley just tearing it up. Uh, I know, I think all of those guys went on to win one, if not multiple Stanley Cups after they l- left Atlanta. Good news is... Kind of reminds
0: me of a, a shittier version of the uh, of the Oklahoma City Thunder yeah, like Westbrook, Durant, yeah, Harden on the same team. Harden, You couldn't, yeah. couldn't get over the hump. They obviously had a lot more success, but this is the poor man's version of that.
1: That's a good comparison. I like that. Uh, I, I did look it up, and we're going to get into the ownership thing shortly. Um, so April 10th, 2011, last game of franchise history, 5-2 loss to the New Jersey Devils. They end up moving to Winnipeg, who had a team before. They're very stoked to get a team again, and I have looked into the Winnipeg Jets' history from 2012 – well, I guess technically 2011-2012 season to today, and they have not won a championship. So that's great news for us. Uh, the closest they got was in 2017-2018 – they made it to the conference finals and lost to the golden Knights. The, uh, the, that I remember that, I and mean, that was the first year. That's the Vegas team. Um, and I remember watching them just like, just cheering like hell against the jets. Cause that would have been an Atlanta championship that we should have had, but fortunately they lost in the conference finals. So we don't have to worry about that. They still suck. They missed the playoffs the first three years after they moved to Winnipeg. We're good.
0: And I think they're going to... Supposedly, they don't have a lot of... Uh, it's not a franchise on the up-and-up either. So, But if they were to ever win, it would, it would definitely be like, ooh. Yeah. A little painful. Yeah. Just be, just be another uh, notch in the belt of, of depression.
1: And, and failure. Since we've already mentioned them leaving, um, the only two times in NHL history... There's been many teams that have relocated from Canada to the United States. but There's only been twice a team has relocated from the U.S. to Canada. The Flames in 1980 and the Thrashers in 2010.
0: Unbelievable. Lovely, right? Yep. If that's not true to Atlanta, I don't know what is. Yeah. It's brutal. Yeah. A lot of similarities. uh, Yeah, for sure. Let's get in this ownership group, Adam. Please, the Atlanta Spirit. It's a group of of shitty Atlanta businessmen that lost the hockey team and almost lost the Hawks. Um. But they spent a lot more money on the on the Hawks than they did the the Thrashers. I mean, this is the team that gives you know six figure contracts to Joe Johnson. In 2011, uh, which put the Hawks $14 million over the cap, just for the sake of being mediocre. While, during the same year, the Thrashers were $20 million under the cap. So, it just seemed like the Thrashers were always the bastard, redheaded stepchild of the Atlanta Spirit Group. And, interestingly enough, this whole lawsuit that happened with all the the folks in the Atlanta spirit was centered around this big Joe Johnson contract.
1: Well, it it, it was the initial
0: trade. Yeah, it was, it was the initial trade. It wasn't the extension. It was the trade. You're right. And so, so, but, but that was the catalyst for the, for really, if it wasn't already heading towards it, it was, you know, it really, the engine picked up speed at that point. And combine that with the housing market crash in 2008, that's really you know screwed the economy. But the dispute, uh, the you know, centered around that whole Joe Johnson thing, which happened in 2008, and that's when Steve Belkin, one of the owners, um, claimed that the other owners breached their contract, uh, which gave, you know, supposedly would give him the right to buy them out at a cost. And you know, the other owners wanted to buy out Belkin. And it became a whole clusterfuck. Millions and millions of dollars spent. And the the Spirit Group just was bled dry by this whole lawsuit that was, you know, instigated by their own bullshit. And not only that, but they were... You know, if you think back to Phillips Arena back in the day... And I thought this was just commonplace for some reason, but now that I think about it, it really isn't. You know, they had opposing... Uh, you know, opposing players' jerseys in the, the team store. Because they knew that the, the Hawks weren't drawing anybody and that the team was just, you know, decent at best. And so they were just doing all they could to try and make a little scratch by selling, you know, Kobe Bryant's jersey or Kevin Garnett or Paul Pierce or, you know, these big stars. And I just remember walking by one of the stores and it's just like a row of other... um you know, multiple rows of all these different players across the NBA, named players, Dirk, Steve Nash, etc., And then there's like just a little little section under it for, you know, Joe Johnson and Josh Smith and guys like that. And it was like, I didn't think about it much at the time, but I distinctly remember this now as we've done more research on this. And this was also just, uh, you know, it's just one of the many signs of, of this ownership group not having their shit together and just sort of trying to get money wherever they could but it also is crazy to me that they gave Joe Johnson that contract extension, considering that he wasn't a Kobe Bryant type. He wasn't, you know, LeBron. You know, this is, that's the kind of money back then that you give to one of those players, not to Joe Johnson, who was a very good offensive player, no doubt. But he didn't make anyone better around him. He was, he was a below-average defender who could, you know, play isolation pretty well, and that was it. It's just incredible to me that they did that. And I think that was just to put asses in the seats, they, or so they thought. I don't know, that's conjecture on my part, but it's it's still befuddles the funnels of mine to give a guy like Joe Johnson that kind of money. Yeah, it is
1: interesting that a this ownership group, I mean, it was like, what, six, seven Atlanta businessmen, um, which, just off the bat, you, you instantly think, too many uh, cooks in the kitchen, you know? Um, yeah it was kind of just know they did
0: yeah, they did have a majority sound. owner, which was Michael Guerin, but it's still a lot of people uh, in the room and the, the new Hawks ownership does this as well, but Tony Retzler it's pretty clear that he he calls the shots and he's definitely the face of, of the of the franchise as opposed to um, you know Guerin and all those guys were just at each other's throats, but it seems like the Hawks now have a really nice nice ownership. For
1: yeah, I mean the Thrashers just got screwed in this whole thing. That that stat that you threw out there with like the Hawks being fourteen million over cap and the thrashers being twenty million under cap, that, that shows you right there, like these guys had zero interest in this Thrashers team, which I don't know why they bought them in the first place, but I mean that, that leads to like when they had I mean, that's exactly when you have Kovalchuk and Heatley, you just need a couple pieces to put around them to make a championship team, and those deals just weren't getting done. And it's because this ownership group was more interested in giving Joe Johnson $123 million. Well,
0: it's interesting when we think about how the Thrashers players may have perceived the ownership group because Kovalchuk, at least, was off- offered a ton of money at one point. He's offered a 12-year, $101 million contract and a 7-year, $70 million contract, both of which he, he uh, refuted which caused the trade, you know, you, you were mentioning a while ago. But, I mean, I don't know what the NHL, um, you know, what the market for players was back then, but it seems like a pretty good deal. I don't know. And I think, you know, had things been better and had we, you know, had, had uh, the team really put, uh, you know, more pieces around, around, you know, the three-headed monster we discussed earlier, that maybe Kovachuk would have taken that. Yeah. but when I mean, you lost him.
1: It's exactly right. I mean, he sees these crazy bastards in court suing each other left and right over a basketball trade, and they're not even thinking about the hockey team at all. Like, yeah, you're not going to win a championship there. It's not going to happen. So I don't blame these stars for wanting to leave in their prime and win championships, which worked out for all of them. Yeah. It's it's frustrating to read back, and I saw I saw that picture in the AJC of uh, Billy Knight, then Hawks GM, like, in court, and Steve Belkin's coming over and trying to shake his hand, and Billy Knight's refusing to shake his hand, and it was like, Billy Knight was all of us at that point. It's like, what right. have you assholes done? Like, I think Belkin had, looking back on it now, I think... The initial trade, the initial trade for Joe Johnson was it was Boris Diaw, two first round picks, and maybe may, maybe a lesser player. I can't remember for Joe Johnson. Um, but that definitely did turn around the franchise.
0: Yeah, no, it definitely helped for sure. I mean, we we got better. We started making. You know, we went on a run where we made the playoffs from two thousand eight to two thousand. Fifteen or something like that. I can't remember what the last year was, but actually, it was later than that. I think it was 2017. 2016-17 was the last year we made the playoffs. So you got like an eleven year run where you where you making the playoffs. You only had one of those years though that you're actually a real contender. But you're right, it did help for sure. It's but just, yeah,
1: but you're right. The the re signing that's the big issue. That was their big. Yeah, you should know at
0: that. that point. You should know at that point that that's not the guy that's going to put you over the top because he'd been there for four years at that point. Even though he was good, it was like, we need something else here. And this isn't what's going to put you over the top. And that's the kind of money you pay to a guy that will put you over the top. And he wasn't that guy. And I'll blame Joe Johnson for not for, for taking the money. I mean, shit, you give me $123 million, sure. I mean, he, Joe Johnson even said at one point, he's like, I don't really give a shit if, if, if fans show up or not. So, he, you know, get your money, bro.
1: Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but it, it definitely leads you into this leads you into our – like the Braves – current owners, Liberty media kind of reminds you of that with this group. That's not really there. And it's like, it, it just shows you the importance of having a figurehead at the front of a franchise, like a Ted Turner was like
0: if yeah or Arthur blank.
1: Yeah. If, if time Arthur Warner and AOL didn't do that merger, we could have multiple championships. We, we could have a hockey team right now.
0: Yeah, uh, it really did send uh, ripple effects throughout the, the sports world. And I think, I'm not sure about this, but I would, I would, I would beg to question if that also contributed to the selling of the Braves to Liberty Media or not. I know that happened later, thinking like 06 or something like that, but you got to think Time Warner was still bleeding money over on the whole AOL thing at that point. Yeah, and that's conjecture.
1: Yeah, well, that's uh, that's what we do sometimes, Graham. Um, and just a, a few other. There's a really I'll give credit for this guy. Um, Dan Cunning wrote a great article. Did you see this one? Why the Thrashers left Atlanta? I don't think so. Okay, so he he, he made a lot of excellent points that kind of um, simplify, like just shows why the fans didn't fully take get on board as well. Basically, and I'm I'm, I'm bringing back to what we see now with Atlanta United and just the general grassroots movement where we knew we had a big audience for soccer because of the youth soccer. Um, soccer correspondent Arthur Roach has brought this up. Many There's a huge youth soccer movement in Atlanta, and that leads to all this interest in young kids engaging with the team and then taking their parents to the stadium, dragging them to watch the United and buying all the gear. So a lot of other... Hockey cities like Anaheim, San Jose, Dallas, when they were getting teams, they formed youth hockey leagues around the same time. And that creates that fan base that appreciates the team, the game, all of that. Atlanta did none of that. Um, and then another big yeah, it's a night and
0: day difference. It's a night and day difference when you see, you know, right down the street from where I live, you got um, Cone Park, which has a entire basketball court where it's just like Hawks. It's got the Hawks logo in the middle, you got Hawks, um, you know, Hawks basketball goals, a nice redone uh, court, which was done by the team for, for the city. And the Hawks have done that at a ton of different places and have actually under wrestler have reached out to the community more and are much more involved in the community. You never saw any of that ever with the Hawks under the the, the stewardship of the Atlanta Spirit Group.
1: Yeah, I mean, they could have been doing it, with like, get some roller hockey leagues going. Like, I think we have the ice forum. Uh, I remember going there as a kid and ice skating, but I, I don't think there's a whole lot of youth hockey going on there. Uh, but if there is, that's the only place in town. So, yeah, I mean, if kids aren't playing hockey, they're not going to be as interested in going. It's that simple. Right. Uh, another issue that kind of screwed them from the get-go was... The creation, they were in the Southeast division, which was an issue for a city of transplants because the teams in that division were Washington, Tampa Bay, Carolina, and Florida. And like none of them have any hockey history and there's no rivalries there. Uh, The oldest team was Washington, which was founded in 1974. Um, And then the league again doubled down in 2005, added more divisional games. So you, you miss all those transplant games from like like New York coming to town a lot more Buffalo, Boston, Chicago, Detroit. so the Detroit, yeah. So those people wouldn't see their teams play. Um, so that right. just compound like who the hell wants to see the Thrashers and the the Florida Panthers? Some people, but <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's it's like when LeBron comes to town, you know the arena's sold out, but we only get to see LeBron once a year now. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense.
1: So, I mean, there's just missed opportunities everywhere, and then we were supposed to host the All-Star Game in 2005, which was when, you know, that's right around our peak. We made the playoffs in 2006, but we lost that because of the lockout.
0: And you can't really control that, though.
1: Yeah, but I mean, it just sucks. I mean, that's no one's fault. No, but, I mean no. We got it. We, we did get the All-Star Game in 2008, but it's it's like you've kind of... After a couple of shitty seasons, you lose people pretty quickly. So yeah. that's kind of like us Atlanta losing the Final Four this year. That sucks. Mm-hmm. Like, but
0: what are you going to? Especially do, it was going to be in Mercedes Benz. Yeah, but um, here's another gone? interesting. No, go ahead. No, no, you got it. I was saying there's another interesting tidbit when we talk about financial ramifications and all this stuff. Uh, the team's ownership group uh, supposedly supposedly lost $130 million in the last six years and a lot of that was due to the lawsuit going on with Steve Belkin. Yeah. So, they were just hemorrhaging, hemorrhaging money. Um, it, it's amazing that we still have the Hawks, honestly. I don't know how the hell that happened.
1: Yeah, thank God. That would be, that one would have been rough for us. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we're pretty secure there, hopefully.
0: Yeah, no, especially with Tony Ressler being in here, you got other high-profile investors like Grant Hill. I don't think there's any any threat of that. They just redid, you know, State Farm Arena, or Phillips Arena just transitioned to State Farm Arena. There's no chance in hell they would sell the team, or if they did for whatever reason, which would be mind-blowing to me, but if they did, I don't think it would be leaving it. The, the Hawks would not be leaving Atlanta.
1: Yeah. So, that's kind of the story. Uh True North Sports is who ended up buying it from us in uh Canada and um that was the end of it. And the NHL did hit the Atlanta Spirit with a uh, a 60 million dollar relocation fee as just kind of like a screw you guys, you really. It's not normally that high. So <laughs> Yeah. No, so they, they, they didn't. didn't they, so uh, the, so they didn't even get most of the money that they got from the sale of the team. So it's just
0: it's right. crazy. Yeah, I remember when this whole thing was happening with the Thrashers. There was a lot of rumors that the the Hawks were going to move to Seattle because the the Sonics had left. The Supersonics had left uh, Seattle, pretty, I think, within the last few years. Yeah. Of uh, 2011, I think they moved in like 08 or 09 or something like that. To Oklahoma City, so there was a lot of rumors about that, and I was really nervous that we were going to lose the Hawks too. And you know, when things like that happen, you think about what that means to the city in terms of, like, you look at what, especially with the Hawks when under under the Atlanta Spirit Group. I mean, attendance was pretty bad after that, even though we had a decent team because we knew what we were getting. It was just like it was just like the Braves; they're going to make the playoffs. They might win a round. Well, this isn't a this isn't a team that's really trying to win anything, and it wasn't until Danny Ferry was brought in and Budenholzer, which I will ad, will admit it was under that happened under the the Spirit Group is when things started to to turn around. Um. And that's when you know attendance went back up because the Hawks won like eighteen straight games in January and were the the toast of the the Eastern Conference for the whole year. It was because the team kicked ass. And it's like, what? What am I? Am I supposed to go out and see a, a support a, a, a team that has no chance? I mean, yeah, I like. I, I we went to plenty of Hawks games, but you know, you and I are different from the common man. The common man went out and saw the Hawks that whole damn season, because they were so such a thrilling brand of basketball. So, I hope this can lighten the stigma of the Atlanta. You know, Atlanta fans aren't real fans, kind of thing.
1: Yeah, and I remember, like. When this happened, when we lost the team, whenever someone would come up to me, be like, oh, man, I can't believe we lost the Thrashers. My initial reaction was, well, did you go to any games last year? Well, that's why they left. But it's like, it's such it's such a bigger story than that. Yeah. And this, like, just shows you, like, especially looking in hindsight, um, what ownership means to a sports franchise. Like, I, I kind of... paramount. I kind of always go the lighter route with Liberty Media, uh, in relation to the Braves. Um, but Liberty Media is not, su- they just don't give a shit about the Braves. They're not like openly keeping funds from the Braves. It's a, uh, it's a different deal for sure. But,
0: uh, right, what you not, think, Graham? Yeah, they're, they're definitely chintzy, but at least they're not deconstructing as a, as a company and completely destroying the Braves. It's not like the Braves are in a shitty position or anything. Yeah. Um,
1: Yeah. I prefer hands off versus all
0: hands in like the spirit did here. I think you got to have a, like a kind of like to me, Arthur Blank is way too hands on to me. Liberty media is way too hands off. I think there's some sort of sweet spot like with Ted Turner during the Braves run when he wasn't, you know, in their managing games in the 80s and shit like that, but in the 90s, where, you know, you get the guys in place that you need, you have Bobby Cox, you um, <clears throat> and you let them do their jobs, and you just give them money. I mean, I remember um, reading an article before, well, I, I didn't read it. I read it recently, I didn't read it when it happened, but there was some, somebody I was interviewed on in the thing in the AJC, who's worked in maintenance at, um, for the Braves for like 30 years or something, and he's like, whenever anything went wrong, any department, a no matter if it was maintenance or something else, you know, we would just let Ted know. You know, he'd be walking by and say, hey, Ted, we need some money for <clears throat> to fix something. And he'd be like, sure, how much do you need? You know, he, he was just like, whatever it takes kind of yeah. thing. But I'm going to let you do what you're going to do. I'm not going to sit, I'm going to give you the money, but I'm not going to sit over your shoulder and and watch you do it. And I'm not going to tell you how to do it because that's your job. But if you need it, I'm going to give it to you. And I think you need that kind of that's the kind of owner that I've always I've always loved. Is, is well, somebody he trusted
1: who the, trusts the people that he puts in his organization. Right.
0: Exactly. He didn't. He didn't hover over their shoulder. I mean, I think if you do that, I mean, who likes being at work and you're you know you're at your computer and the boss is hovering over your shoulder watching you work or telling you you should do this or that when you're trying you know well it's like all right you know what you just do it yourself then nobody wants that it doesn't matter what profession you're doing. I mean, it's okay to be a little hands-on, but can, it is, it's a tricky balance. Also, it's easy to sit here and say that, but I mean, you, he—you're exactly right. Did the right thing. He he hired the folks he thought could do the job, and then he let them do it. And if they needed it needed to be changed, he made a change. But it wasn't—he hadn't have his fist up the ass of everything. But it's well, interesting—the same guy, the same guy in the article said, now when we have to do something, it has to go through corporate, it has to go through seven, ten, fifteen different people. But with Ted, it was like you just got your money.
1: Yeah, and you, you also got to think like since they knew Ted, whoever this maintenance guy was, like Mm -hmm. they respect him and they're not going to screw him over as well. Like they want to try to do things more efficiently because they see this guy writing a check versus, Oh, it's just some random corporation. That'll be fine. Um, Interesting. The only little uh, last random fact I have on the thrashers, and this might be the only place they exist in the NHL history book is uh, the opening day of the 2010-2011 season. They made history by having five black players on their roster at one time. Wow. Yeah, pretty wild. It is wild. I haven't fact-checked that to see... I mean, I have fact-checked it, but I don't know if that's been beat, but at the time, they made history, so... Put that one in the rafters.
0: It's actually quite
1: commendable. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot, a lot of a, a couple of those guys came over in the Kobolchuk deal. But
0: yeah, that's so that's
1: that's what I got on the Thrashers, Graham.
0: Cool. Yeah. Same here. I'd like to uh, cite uh, a source here, Bo Cherney, who was a writer for Bleacher Report. I don't know what he does now, but he covered Hawks and. Thrashers and a myriad of other Atlanta sports stuff back in the day, I I cribbed the majority of my information from him. So I'd like to uh, just give a shout-out to Bo Cherney, wherever he is, and say thank you for your uh, in-depth reporting. Certainly contributed a lot to the show.
1: Way to go, Bo. Dan Cunning's my man. Proud of you, Dan. He actually updated his page January 3rd of 2020, so...
0: Yeah, a bit more recent <laughs> articles. I was I was going through like 2003 and 2011 and 98. I was looking at old stuff. Yeah, oh
1: yeah, this know. is definitely old, but he, he's like updated it with like um, NBA approved the sale of Atlanta Hawks to ownership group led by Tony Wrestler and things like that. Hmm. So,
0: well, everybody, we hope you're you're staying safe out there, and we know this uh, time sucks. We hope we can help uh, contribute to a little bit of escapism here with this retrospective we hope you and your, your loved ones are safe and, and healthy and we will see you maybe next week or the week after we'll just see how it goes
1: hey we know we'll have content we have all the content of the world now we don't yes. have to rely on what Atlanta sports do currently because we're not going to talk about those stupid Falcons uniforms
0: Graham I love how anti just talking about you're you don't even have an opinion on the uniforms you still want to discuss it no I think that's great
1: they're uniforms they're going to show up to play I don't care what they're wearing.
0: That's kind of my thought on it. That's, that's my like, opinion. Be naked for all I care. Yeah. Like I don't like the uniforms, but I don't really give a shit either. So.
1: They're a little xfl but uh.
0: Yeah, it feels like Division Three shit, but. Everyone hates boy, things whatever. at first, and then you don't realize it. So. Yeah. I think we'll just get used to it.
1: Exactly, right. and that's but is. Cut it off. <laughs> that yeah,
0: would that's better. all we have to say.
1: If it weren't for our deep dive, we would have been like, we would have stretched that to 30 minutes.
0: Right, and it would have been awful. Yeah. <laughs> Beyond awful. All right, until next time, everybody, rise up, stay in Brotherhood, chop on, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. And believe in Blue Land. Hospitometer
1: <laughs> <Hospitomerson>. said. <laughs>
2: I want a rising Rising like a lake All the gold and silver Being stolen away Turn and looking east and west from To the roof of his mind Kansas City Fast and vine Nothing's down And down I want a living place i sliding down. Folks are losing their possessions folks are leaving town. But the message shaking, broken, dashing, hanging on the wall. Now so you're dancing, but you're pretending you don't dance at all. Say, can't you see I'm grounded too? Things are tough out there. I will live with. North Lewis is totally Englishman, the Italian and the Jew. You can't open up your mind, boys, ever conceive of the point of view. They got child going, chopped chap, chap. To I wanna be alive, I don't care. 'Cause can't be happy love unless you're happy too. Not a fan of that.